this tells us in turn for Isaiah in chapter 9. Hmm. Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll just read verse 6 and 7 again as we begin this morning. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's just open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this most wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, that we can come once again and worship you, sing praise to your name. And Lord, we pray as we come around your word now this morning, that Lord, you would instruct us and teach us through your word. We pray, Lord, that you would empower me through your Holy Spirit this morning. And that Lord, as I speak, everything would be from you, that it would be your words and your thoughts. And that Lord, you'd take your word and you'd apply it to our hearts and lives this morning. We pray you bless as we... Consider the final name this for our Messiah, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have, of course, uh, leading up to Christmas, been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And we didn't finish that one title to go. We've looked at the first four names that are given to the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, and the Everlasting Father. We haven't looked at the final one, the Prince of Peace. And so this morning we're going to consider... This final name, the final title here, Prince of Peace. You know, Christ truly is the source and the champion of peace. That's who Christ is. You know, at his birth, it was announced by the angels that he come to bring peace on earth. Let's just turn over quickly to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13 And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now as the angels there appeared in heaven, the angel appeared to the shepherds and then the heavenly host with the angels, and they sang and declared peace on earth and glory to God in the highest. You know, Christ came for this purpose. Christ came to bring peace to this world, peace to mankind. True peace, lasting peace. You know, peace is something that the world longs for, is it not? It's something that, you know, the world desires. That's what they want around the world today. Mankind in general wants peace. You know, and I'm sure that many looking towards the new year, that's their desire for 2017, that there would be peace on earth. You know, because it's his man's desire, they seek peace through all sorts of different methods. They seek peace through whatever method or means they can find, but the re- result is never lasting. You know, peace that man orchestrates is never lasting, it's never real. And indeed, they will never find real peace, lasting peace, apart from Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. You know, before we go any further, I think we need to define exactly what real peace is. You know, the world uses the word peace to describe many things. You know, we use the, peace, the word peace to describe a, a peaceful place. You know, it's quiet, it's tranquil. We use the word peace to give out the absence of war. We use the word peace to describe various different things. 
So we need to understand fully what it means here that Christ is the Prince of Peace. What is the, the word here in the, in the Word of God speaking about? What does this word peace mean? Well, this word peace here in the Hebrew is the word shalom. I'm sure we've all heard that Hebrew expression before, the word shalom. And this word means far more than just silence or the absence of war. This word means prosperity, well-being, harmony within and without. It means peace in one's heart with God. Essentially what this word is talking about, it's talking about the perfect state of man. The perfect state of man in his relationship towards God. That's what this word peace means. You see, true peace has nothing to do with the situation on the outside, the things going on around us. True peace only has to do with the condition on the inside, what's going on in our hearts. You see, someone can be in the most peaceful of places and yet still be restless and in turmoil within. They're disturbed on the inside. They're not at peace. Yeah, they're in a peaceful place, but they don't have peace in their hearts. By contrast, someone can be in the you know, the midst of the most noisy city, surrounded by all these, you know, abrasive sounds, and yet they're at complete peace. They're singing, they're praising God as they walk. Why? Because within their hearts, there's a difference. The true peace is on the inside. You know, Christ evidenced this peace right throughout his life here on earth, do you not? You know, Christ in his life, in his, in his walk here on earth, dealt calmly with every situation that he faced, every situation that came before Christ and his disciples, as we read the Gospels, we see peace in Christ's heart. We see peace within. We see that there is no turmoil within Christ. Every situation was dealt with calmly. You know, even as he goes to the cross and he dies for you and I, we see that Christ is at peace. So right throughout his life, we see the evidence of this true peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ, as I said, came to share this peace with mankind, Luke chapter 2. Bring peace on earth. Christ came to share that peace with you and I. I think there are at least three important areas in which Christ came to bring peace or to give us peace, and I want us to consider these this morning. First of all, Christ came to give us or to bring us peace with God. Romans chapter 5, Romans 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here in Romans 5 verse 1, Paul declares unto you and I that through Christ we are now able to have peace with God. Peace with God. And so indeed, that's why Christ came, is it not? Christ came as the Prince of Peace so that you and I might have peace with God, so that mankind might be at peace with God, no longer at war, no longer the enemy of God. He came to make peace on our behalf. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1 because Colossians puts it a slightly different way. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. I will start in verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And have you made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, 
By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sights. Talks about the fact that he hath reconciled all things unto himself through Christ Jesus. Reconciled us. You see, Colossians puts another way. It speaks about the fact that Christ came to reconcile you and I to Christ, uh, to God, so that we might have peace with God. That's what reconciliation is all about, isn't it? It's all about bringing two parties together. It's all about there being peace with God. Of course, the reason that you and I need someone to come and to reconcile us to God, the reason we need someone to give us peace is because of Adam and Eve's sin. That's the reason we need someone to to come and provide a way of reconciliation. It's because of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. You see, before they sinned, Adam and Eve had the perfect state of man. They had peace. Adam and Eve lived and dwelt in perfect harmony with God. They had peace with God. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. They heard the Lord walking in the garden. The reason that this is not a strange thing to them is because this is what they experienced every day. The Lord walked with them, the Lord talked, the Lord communed with them in the midst of the garden. And they indeed had peace with God. Adam and Eve experienced this peace. You know that peace was lost when Adam and Eve sinned. When they partook of the fruit, when they took of that which God had said they should not partake of, when they sinned against Almighty God, that peace was destroyed. They were separated from God. They became the enemies of God. They were at enmity with God the Father and they were cast out of the garden. In chapter 3 again in verse 23 of Genesis, it says, Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You see, the peace that was theirs was now gone. They were cast out of the garden. They were not allowed to come back into the garden of Eden anymore. The peace that they had experienced with God was destroyed. That peace was gone. And indeed, when they sinned, they plunged mankind into sin. You and I, as their descendants, are born in sin. We are born with a sin nature, and we are born separated from God. We do not have peace with God when we are born into this world. We're born in sin, and thus we are the enemies of God. There is no peace. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, it talks about the fact that we were his enemies. Go there, Romans 5. Romans 5 and verse 10, it says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were the enemies. This is, this is what we were before we got saved. We were the enemies, and indeed those who are not saved today, mankind in general, they are the enemies 
of God. They're opposed to God. And fellowship with God is not possible. There is no peace with God. And that's why we need reconciliation. That's why we need someone to come and to reconcile us to God. That's why we needed a saviour. So that peace might be restored. So that we might have peace with God. To bring us back into that fellowship with him once again. To make peace with God. And that someone, of course, is Christ, the Prince of Peace. That's what he came to do. He came to reconcile us and the God so there might be that peace once again. You see, Christ came to deal with the problem. He came to deal with the thing that is separating us from God. So we might have peace with him once again. You know, with Christ's birth at Bethlehem some 2,000 plus years ago, Christ left heaven's glory, the Prince of Peace left heaven's glory, and he entered the human race. He became flesh and blood. And at Calvary, he died to represent all mankind, to represent all of us on the cross. He bore the iniquity of us all, as it says in Peter. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And it was his sacrifice there on the cross that made peace with God possible. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, we read it before, but quickly turn over there. <clears throat> Colossians 1 verse 20, because it says in particular here, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross. In particular, his, his, the peace was made possible through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is possible because he shed his blood. It, it took his death, it took his shed blood to purchase our redemption, to make peace with God, to deal with the sin problem, to reconcile us once again to Him. And you know, Christ, through His shed blood, has removed every obstacle between God and man. You know, God, Christ has dealt with it all. He's, he's brought mankind right back. And all we have to do is accept Him by faith. Christ has done it all. He has reconciled us to God. All you and I have to do is accept him by faith. Isn't that, isn't that what Ephesians 2, 8 says? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's faith that is required for you and I to be at peace with God. You know, peace with God really is the most important peace of all. That is the most important peace of all. That's what we need, peace with God. You know, I wonder this morning, have you experienced that peace? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? Have you accepted Christ and in doing so found peace with God? Or are you this morning still at enmity with God? Are you the enemy of God? You know, if so, why not accept Him today? You know, that's what Christ came to do. Christ came so that you and I might have peace with God. And secondly, He came also so that we might have the peace of God in our hearts. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, secondly here we see that not only did Christ come so might have peace with God, but also so that we might have the peace of God in our hearts. 
You see, this is something you and I possess once we get saved. If you're here this morning, you're saved, you know Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, then not only do you have peace with God, but now we have the peace of God in our hearts. Now in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, it speaks about the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Passeth all understanding. Now this phrase means that this peace is of the highest kind. This is a peace that cannot be fully understood. You see, it's a peace like no other. It's a peace that the world cannot know and understand apart from Christ. John chapter 14. Turn over there quickly. John 14. John 14 and verse 27. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace have I given unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have the Lord Jesus Christ promising to give us this peace, to leave us this peace. And Christ himself says that this peace is not as the world. Christ himself declares that this peace is not like the world's peace. It's different. It is unique. It is a peace that passeth all understanding. You see, it's not a shallow peace based on the absence of war. It's not a shallow peace based on silence or a peaceful place. No, this is a peace in our hearts. It's a peace that comes from only knowing and having fellowship with God. It's a peace that we can only know through Christ, the Prince of Peace. You know, back in Philippians 4, verse 7, Paul goes on to say that this peace keeps our hearts and minds. It keeps our hearts and minds. The peace of this peace keeps us from anxiety, keeps us from agitation. It guards us, it protects us. This peace of God in our hearts. You see, it's this peace that enables us as believers not to worry about the things of life. It's this peace that brings us through troubled times in life. It's this peace that means that as Christians we can keep on smiling. This is the peace of God in our hearts. You see, when troubled times come, it's this peace that brings us safely through, the peace of God in our hearts. And you know, this peace is found and experienced as we daily remember the promises of God that made to us as believers. That's where we find this peace, is it not? That's where we find this rest. It's considering and dwelling upon, meditating upon the promises of God to us as believers. For instance, Psalm 23. Let's go there. I know we know it well, but let's go there. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me presence of mine enemies thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever you know psalm 23 alone gives to you and i numerous promises from god 
numerous promises that are ours because Christ is our shepherd. And you know, we, we run to Psalm 23 at troubled times in our lives, do we not? Because Psalm 23 gives us peace, gives us rest as we consider the promises of God to us as believers. You know, in this great psalm, we are promised that Christ as our shepherd will take care of our needs. We shall not want. We're promised that he will lead us and guide us to the still waters. That he will lead us to the green pastures and make us lie down in peace. We're promised that he will protect us with his rod and his staff. We go on. This psalm is packed full of promises from God. And as we consider them and dwell upon, it gives us peace. Why? Because we rest in God and the knowledge that he's promised these things to us. You see, no matter what path the Lord takes us on, the Lord leads us on, you and I know he goes before us and he is our shepherd and he will protect us. Isn't that what that verse says? Where it says that he, if we yea, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't matter how dark the times get in our life, with God going before us, Christ going before us, you and I have nothing to fear. It gives us peace, gives us rest. Not only that, but you and I can rest and find peace in the knowledge that he's preparing a place for us. Go to John chapter 14. Another passage we know well. And there's a reason we know it well, because we dwell upon these passages. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto, my, unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. You know, John 14 is this glorious passage where Christ speaks about the fact that he's preparing a place for us. And as you and I meditate and think upon that fact, it gives us peace, it gives us rest. To know that Christ is preparing an eternal dwelling place for you and I. That when you and I leave this earth, we enter glory. When we leave this earth, we enter our heavenly dwelling place. Death for you and I as believers is nothing but a doorway to heaven. Death holds no fear for the believer. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see, this is a peace that you and I have because we know that Christ is doing this for us. It's the same as First Thessalonians chapter 4 where we read about the fact he's coming back. That's, what does it say at the end of that? It says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Why? Because it gives us peace to consider and dwell upon the fact that Christ is coming back for us. You know, it's this peace of God in our hearts that enables men and women through the centuries to go to their deaths glorifying and honouring the Lord. I'm sure most of us have read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you know, you're reading there about men and women who were at stake and as they're burning alive for their faith, they're singing and praising God. How can people do that? It's because of the peace of God in their hearts. It's because they know John 14. It's because they know Psalm 23. They know Thessalonians 4. The peace of God in their hearts, resting upon the promises of God. You see, that's the peace that you and I as believers can know and have in Christ. The peace of God in our hearts. And the reality is that this peace is not a shallow emotion. 
It's not a shallow emotion based on feelings or based on circumstances. You know, the world, their feeling of peace fluctuates based on everything that's going on around them. But you know what I believe is it's stable. Why? Because Christ is stable. Our peace rests in Him. Our peace is found in a deep confidence and joy in the finished work of Christ on the cross. His victorious work on the cross. It's His work that brought about peace with God and now gives us peace of God in our hearts. You know, the unsaved cannot know or understand this peace. They can't understand it. For them, there is no satisfaction in life. There is no peace in life. For them, there is no peace or rest in death because they do not know the Prince of Peace. Only through knowing Christ can we experience this peace in our hearts, this peace that passeth all understanding. And thirdly, this morning we see that Christ came to bring the peace from God to this peace from God to this earth. Go to Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2 and verse 4. <clears throat> it says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, and, they, uh, and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You know, we have seen that Christ came into the world so that we might have peace with God, and so we might have the peace of God in our hearts. But lastly this morning, we want to consider the fact that Christ ultimately will bring peace from God to this earth. Now, as we said in the introduction, this is what mankind wants. This is what mankind desires, they yearn for, they long for. You know, they want peace in the Middle East. They want peace in Europe. They want peace, peace in the African nations. They want peace right around the world. This is what our... You know, world leaders desire peace on earth. But you know, the reality is that this world will never experience true, lasting peace until Christ, the Prince of Peace, is on the throne. Until He is ruling and reigning on earth. And when that day comes, Christ will complete His ministry as the Prince of Peace. He will complete this ministry. You know, at his birth, the angels declared that Christ came to bring peace on earth. Luke chapter 2. Beloved, Christ has not failed in that task. Christ did come to bring peace on earth. He will indeed bring peace on earth. There is a day coming when he will fulfill this role. Indeed, this is what Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 is all about. Go there. Isaiah chapter 9, we've been looking at Isaiah 9 verse 6. But verse 7 says, Of the increase of love and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You know, verse 7 is all about the reign of Christ on earth. Christ will come and set up his government. And it says here in verse 7 that of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There shall be no end to the reign of peace once Christ establishes his kingdom. 
Yes, he's going to reign for a thousand years here on earth during the millennium. But then Christ will continue to reign for all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Beloved, with Christ on the throne, this world will finally experience peace. True, lasting peace. With Christ on the throne, all, all the promises of peace that are found in the prophets will finally be fulfilled. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> Isaiah 11, verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion with the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now Isaiah 11 here describes the peace that will be on earth amongst God's creation, amongst nature. With Christ on the throne, the lion and the lamb will lie down together. There will be harmony, there will be peace amongst God's creation. You see, things will be restored to as they were in the Garden of Eden. Things will be once, once more at peace, as Christ is on the throne. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, we read it earlier, but let's go there, Isaiah Four, it says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, and, they shall, and their spears in the pruning hooks. And they shall not up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Micah chapter 4 verse 3 says basically the exact same thing. Both verses describe the peace that will be among the nations in that day. Nations will no longer lift up their weapons against one another. Instead, the verse says that they will beat their weapons of war into farming instruments. They will destroy the weapons of war. Why? Because there will be no need for them anymore. Conflict will finally be over. Peace will come to this earth. Now, the thing that mankind yearns for will finally happen when Christ, the Prince of Peace, is on the throne. True peace will finally come as mankind bows the knee before Christ. You know, until then, until the world bows the knee to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ, until then our world will always lack peace. It shouldn't surprise us as believers to look around and see the turmoil in the world today, see how troubled our world is. The world will lack peace until they bow the knee to Christ. You know, Israel until they accept their Messiah, will have no peace. There will be no peace in the Middle East. Yes, at the start of the tribulation, the Antichrist will establish a peace, but it's not a real peace. It's not lasting peace. Israel will not have peace until they accept the Messiah. You know, men as individuals will not have peace until they accept Christ into their hearts. And they experience peace with God and the peace of God in their hearts. Indeed, the only one who could bring peace to this troubled world is the Prince of Peace. And beloved, that day is coming. That day is coming 
But, you know, until then, we wait with longing and expectation for his return. You know, we're not to just sit around and do nothing till he comes, are we? You know, we're not to just sit around and enjoy the peace that we've found in Christ and do nothing. You know, if we are saved and we've experienced the peace that only Christ can give. We've experienced peace with God. We have the peace of God in our hearts. Now, beloved, we have a responsibility to share that peace with the world, to show them that peace. Beloved, this is what the world's looking for. This is what they want. They want the peace that we have found in Christ. We have a responsibility to share this peace with them. You know, people are lost. They're on their way. They're the enemies of God. And you and I know the one who can give them peace. We must take the gospel's lost and dying world so that they too might know the peace of God in their hearts. You know, beloved, as we begin a new year, I trust that that's our prayer as a church. That's our prayer as individuals, that this year we might get the chance to lead others to know the Prince of Peace. Beloved, people are crying out for peace, and we have the answer. It's Christ, the Prince of Peace. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much, Lord, for Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We thank you for each of these titles, Lord. Each of these titles for our Messiah that each have so much meaning, so much depth to them, Lord. We thank you especially this morning for the title of the Prince of Peace. And we thank you that Christ came to bring peace with God. So we might have the peace of God in our hearts and ultimately, Lord, he will bring peace on this earth. And we thank you so much, Lord. We praise you and we lift your name in the highest. Lord, we pray that you help us this year to go forth and Lord, may we bring others to know that peace. Through our testimony, through our witness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.